1: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Right back at you with the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. This is number 57. And as promised, just a day ago, we're going back to back with some phenomenal podcast subjects. Uh, again, like I said just yesterday, these are some of my favorite podcasts to do because it gives me an opportunity to get to know a new staff member, to introduce that staff member to you, and you know, hey, share a story of a, of a fellow fan, and uh, in the case of some of you, a fellow writer, a fellow contributor. So today, for number 57, back-to-back with Jackie Krestal, it's Celeste Radonio. I was certain I was going to get that wrong. I hope I got it right.
0: I got it right. You know, most people say Radogno, so I usually let it slide, but uh you got it right.
1: And even with the mental picture of Vinny, Uh, Vinny Radona. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you. What's up, Uh, Celeste? uh, That's Vinny on the lap. Um, uh, Also a White Sox fan, but not wearing the White Sox bandana. It's all right, because you've got last night's hat on, and that's going to carry the day. So when we are talking to get this podcast started off, I want to know, I asked Jackie this and I had not done it in the past, but I would like to know, Celeste, what you thought when I reached out out of the blue, Uh, I mean, we're best friends now, but we weren't just like five days ago. Uh, So what'd you think when some person from Southside Sox was bothering you?
0: Yeah, well, so first I was like, oh, something with the check marks in my DMs, they're trying to sell me something.
1: oh yeah it turned out to be true
0: (laughs) yeah and then you know I read the message and I think I was like is this a pyramid scheme and then I was like okay yeah sure whatever I'll do it sounds cool
1: I like that that flow chart uh (laughs) rip off rip rip off rip off sure (laughs) whatever Okay, well
0: just that. Be off like if someone wants to take my identity, like have my student loans <laughs> go for it.
1: <laughs> with that level of casual commitment, uh, this can't go wrong, celeste absolutely not um, so let's then go to the uh, the next question he said, and I would like to know uh, perhaps your path socks fandom um how you came here, how you even got a position to be this um Oh, dare I say, it's a terrible word, but I like using it because we all have it on this staff. A sassy White Sox Twitter account. Um, The former, the former Jason uh, Spaghetti, now Celeste Spaghetti, I like that transformation, Uh, but uh, had gained a pretty popular following on the so called White Sox Twitter. And now uh, you've been asked (laughs) to the I don't think you're asked to the adults table. I think you've now just been asked to the kids table, We are at the kids table of actually writing about the team now. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about how you even came to be a White Sox fan.
0: Sure. So the tale starts back with my grandpa, Nunzio, Nunzio Redonio. And uh, the story was that he was a Cubs fan. And I don't know whether this is true or not. I never fact checked it, but according to him, the Cubs wouldn't hire or sign Italians. So after he found that out, he's like, okay, I'm a a Sox fan now. And so that's how that started. Um, And then when I was born, my dad likes to say that, you know, his first word was either going to be if I was a girl was going to be softball, if I was a boy it was going to be baseball. So it ended up being softball. And I know, I don't think I ever really thought twice about it. I just and we're a Sox family. And that's just, it's just what it is.
1: Uh yeah, when you're born into it, you don't really, you don't question it. You have any choice. And, and unless you're given a real reason to, uh, you, you wouldn't question it. Now, let's go back to Nunzio because if he started out uh, a Cubs fan or any cubs leanings, does that mean uh, further up the family tree, there is a little? I mean, you're saying you're obviously the core family socks no question you guys are all uh, all of you are obviously very bright bright people but further up the tree is there a little bit of division or is oh the whole tree is is, is very tree, wise
0: the only person in my family that's not a white Sox fan is my 10 year old cousin who lives in phoenix and is actually not a diamondbacks fan he's a cubs fan but he's in that you know boy little boy phase where they just want to be contrarian so i'm sure he'll grow out of it yeah If not, then we
1: can just like abandon him. I don't know. Yeah. The the family picnics are going to be, they're going to get nasty real quick. Uh, uh, That's for sure. Um, Man, this is, I knew this was a bright family to begin with. And now, you know, see, I'm making notes of the increased respect I'm feeling for it. So, uh, all right. Give me a second uh, to gather myself here. Uh, Okay. So uh, I want to talk about, uh, and I guess it bears mentioning, uh, because I'm a very organized host, bears mentioning that uh, Meet the Players uh, with Celeste is uh, out live on the site, too. She's actually already had a piece on site, sort of snuck that in before the actual formal intro uh, to make people see the byline and say, what? Who? what? I keep tabs very closely on all 6,000 people who contribute to uh, Southside Sox, and I don't think I've seen this name before. Well, you have it, but now you have, and you're getting to learn a lot about Celeste and the brilliant, brilliant Redonios. Because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm blowing too much smoke already. But uh, one thing that came out in the Meet the Players, again live on site, uh, is a little bit of story of your first game. And I'm a little surprised, coming out of the womb as a White Sox fan, you seem to be a little bit uh, low on gear because it was sort of a rush, you know, maybe a little bit of a rush job to get geared up for your first game.
0: Yeah, you know, I was, you know, the sad thing is, I don't even remember what year it was, but I was young and it was like, I was with my little friendo and her parents took us and I didn't have anything. And so I, my mom took me to like Target and surprisingly they had white socks stuff, um, which yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I bought this shirt and it said like white E socks, <laughs> it was on the other side of the buttons. And I have people legit coming up to me being like, what are the witty socks? And I'm like, okay, you wouldn't have asked if it was like the the cub S or, you know, like, so that was kind of my first, like as a kid being like, okay, you know, socks don't have any recognition, whatever. So So it just made
1: you, you you dug in on an age earlier than you really should have. That's too young to have to dig in, but
0: way too young.
1: Yeah. It helps you from slamming into that brick wall that we all hit at some point, maybe a little bit more quickly. Um, all right. Well, it, it still doesn't really address the issue of no gear, but uh, I'm glad you got geared up in some weird sort of like pseudo bootleg, oddly stitched way. And that again, you did sort of get your um, harsh introduction to uh, what perceptions are sometimes in the Chicagoland area of the two teams. Uh, man, some heady stuff for just a first game. Uh, you know what?
0: have that shirt actually because it was so big that it fits me now like
1: regularly <laughs> well please celeste next podcast could you represent the white e-socks please <laughs> let's make it happen uh okay another thing i need to uh, again we're not going to go through point by point everything in the Meet the players what's the point of reading it then and go read it you don't have to pause this or stop listening to it right now i don't mean literally but go read it because you get to know a little bit more, a little bit fuller picture of Celeste. Press. Plus, plus, she allowed me full permission to contribute some to her intro, and she doesn't even know what that is yet. And if you haven't read it yet, you don't know what it is yet either. So, again, something you are going to just store in your pocket and go check out. But uh, something I want to follow up on, too, uh, Fast Pitch Pitcher, mm-hmm. but also uh, apparently a hoopster to some degree, and... A game played with a broken hip. I'm going to need a little bit more information about the broken hip game.
0: So that was actually a basketball game. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And what happened was I was a a little bit known around the middle school circuit for being a little bit aggressive on the court. (laughs) And I was actually intentionally pushed in this game. And I broke, I was in eighth grade. I broke the growth plate in my hip. And I was so pissed that I played the rest of the game because I was like, these girls were like laughing. (laughs) You know, middle school girls are ruthless. And I was like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to keep playing.
1: Middle school, though.
0: Yeah. So I was probably the youngest person ever to break a hip.
1: (laughs) So if you were to ever limp today, you could say, yeah, i got a broken hip. And they'll say, man, I really thought you were a little younger than you were, Celeste. Jeez, you look great for being 76. Man, uh, that is, I don't know if I like all the answers to these questions. I don't know if I like some of this background. That is harsh. Um, uh, but okay, so what did you do to put yourself in a position to be so hated by a rival middle school that they're, that they're doing this to you?
0: I I mean I was just like an aggressive player like I always got fouled out of games I just like I wasn't good at basketball and my dad would always tell me he's like God gave you elbows so use them so I would just like you know get the get the players out of the way so my friends that were good could score and you know I did the same thing in soccer too like I I played uh high school soccer and one of my friends was like Played in college level eventually, it was like super good, and I really wasn't. So I would just kick girls in the shin, and then she would go and score. And it worked out every time. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope some people who one day may um, face you or have to oppose you in some way, whatever, across the table or in court, somehow think I'm gonna. You're gonna see somebody freeze one day and go, "Wait, I know how I know this person and." There is, Now she's in my head. Um, uh, okay. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Okay. Uh, fast pitch softball then uh, pre-injury. I'm guessing uh, we went through this just yesterday with Jackie and she admitted freely that she was a very aggressive pitcher. She backed people off of the plate all the time. Uh, I'm guessing you weren't a soft tosser then and you weren't like sweet on the mound.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't at the phase like when I got my shoulder surgery from pitching that was in between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. So I was very young. I wasn't the phase yet where I could like control pitches and intentionally give people any chin music or anything like that. Um, But I I did have a record. um, There was one game where I actually injured three girls and one had to go to the hospital, but that wasn't because of pitching. (laughs)
1: Okay, not, all right, we're going to have to break this down fully. Okay, so before high school, you have a broken hip and you have shoulder surgery, significant mm-hmm. shoulder surgery. Now I have to ask, what are the other major athletic injuries? Is it really just those two?
0: Yeah, I mean, I broke my fingers like in basketball, but that's not major.
1: <sighs> Come on, you shrug that up. You play the whole rest of the month. with
0: fingers. So if you count Frisbee, as, a sport, <laughs> I did chip half of my tooth. So half of my front tooth is fake.
1: I think, the, I think the delineation I'm going to use, just like I told Jackie yesterday, where if you got paid even five bucks to play like a sport in college, it's like legit. That's a legit scholarship. So you're legit. I think if there's a question about whether the sport is legit, if you have chipped the tooth, if you've injured yourself in any severe way uh yeah I think we're gonna we're gonna have to call it a sport I think it rounds up if you have damaged yourself playing it for sure um I feel good Celeste way back boy it's been more than a year I think when I had maybe the first time I talked to Keelan Blue a a fellow Southside Sox staffer she was telling me the story about how she broke her collarbone and she broke her collarbone uh she had been a track um Star, I'll, I'll round her up. She was a track star. She was on the Olympic, uh, the Olympic track, um, the track to be in Olympic track. And uh, she thought, this is a very small hurdle. I'll have no problem getting over it. And it turns out she, she didn't. And she tripped over a hurdle that I guess apparently was like a, a foot. And I just completely insensitively, I just cracked up about that. I couldn't get over the fact. And I mean, she was being very good, like self-deprecating about like, yeah, I can't believe it. This is the injury I have. I'm still like suffering the ramifications of a broken collarbone because of some weird little hurdle incident. I mean, I end up feeling so bad afterward. I was like, geez, God, I'm so sorry. This is ridiculous. Why was I laughing? It it didn't even occur to me. I guess I thought it was a bit, it didn't even occur to me that I was laughing at someone's injury and, you know, potentially debilitating injury. And not that I expect appreciation or applause for this, Celeste, but There has been no such behavior from me this time. We're talking about two significant injuries, one of which apparently you sort of deserved because you were a hellion on the basketball court to the point where middle school opponents ganged up. Was that at least like the rival school or was it just somebody like, we sort of got the report on you in the the junior high notes and we're going to take you out?
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, there was always one other school and we were always in the championship and that wasn't even them, like- (laughs)
1: so they were doing a favor for the big rivals like all right we're gonna gonna take her out sort of like uh and then you were crafty enough to in soccer then sort of incorporate some of that thinking too to help your friend out uh okay let's move uh a little bit deeper into some socks talk uh and your fandom um let's talk about um a, a memorable game i'm guessing you've been to plenty you've been to some this year so uh you know you're a legit fan. You're not just sitting back watching, controlling the remote. Um, jumps out at you as, 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 you know, a top game or, or games that you've been to in the past.
0: Yeah, I think I might meet the players. I said like Paul Conerko's retirement. I was also at Hawks last day, hmm. which is relevant. Um, you know, the, the weird thing is, is that I don't have like great memories of being at all these games. And I think that's because Like growing up, I was on the road for like travel softball so much that I was realizing when I was thinking about it. So, like, he's gonna ask me this question. Um, I listened to a lot of games on the radio because you know we were always playing after school, so I was always in the car like half the time, and then when I got home, I was you know going to bed or whatever. So, like, I have these memories of these games, but the thing the funniest thing is that the thing that sticks out to me the most is Gene Honda's voice like same players from the past so like I'll get flashbacks of Gene Hanna just being like Juan Uribe yeah.
1: <laughs> cool <laughs> no but for sure it's a big part of it I mean especially in an age and an era when there's so much going on this isn't like some game you remember from 1970 where you know somebody was calling it out on a megaphone um so the fact that there's you know him as a constant. And when he's not there, everybody's always like, well, why isn't Gene here? Oh, he's doing the NCAA Final Four or whatever. Uh, you know, why isn't Gene here? What's, is he okay? Because, yeah, I mean, he's synonymous with, he's as synonymous with the park. It seems as like, you know, uh, fireworks after a home run. So yeah, it's a, not that surprising, although still, yeah, pretty quirky. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are like, yeah, all I remember is Nancy Fount's, uh, you know, jingles as as some opponents and player was coming up to the plate. Cause like that's, 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 that's always there. It's, it's always a constant. I mean, even the players come and go, but uh, all right. So Gene Honda, the Gene Honda super fan and, and uh, uh, Celeste Rodonio. Um, uh, okay. So, um,
0: what my dog is doing.
1: It wouldn't be a Southside Sox podcast if we did not have some, um, pet intrusion. It's been a while actually. Um, so it's sort of nice to see that Vinny is bringing, um, a spirited presence uh needs that lap th- uh, uh, as Celeste uh admitted to me before we went on, uh uh thinks he's a lap dog, uh, and he is putting that lap dog need into action here for the podcast. Um get it stealing some screen time, Vinny. Clever, because Vinny knows the numbers. Vinny knows the big numbers we do on the Southside Sox podcast. Watch us on YouTube. Uh okay, Celeste. Um Let's, uh, I guess maybe we, I reserve the right to uh, dip back into, all right, one more question about what led you to us in the Celeste portion of the podcast, and that is, um, I didn't even realize in either case with you or Jackie, and I'm sort of associating you together because uh, you sort of hopped on, I guess, in the same weekend, we we all just became best friends in the last few days, it's really amazing, it's, it's extraordinary that we've become so uh, gotten so close so quickly, but I did not honestly realize I had uh, signed up two ringer pitchers. Now, I understand that while Jackie has just been like off for 10 years and maybe couldn't quite hit the plate, uh, carve the heart of the plate the way she once did, uh, you at this point with the shoulder injury uh, probably would have to try to go lefty if you were to pitch again, or, or do you think you have gained some of that strength back?
0: I don't think there's a way I could pitch again. So the last game ever that I pitched, was coming back it was the summer in between freshman and sophomore year and I was like I'm going to try to do high school softball maybe I can pitch again my shoulder still wasn't feeling great and then my dad was like he was always my coach too and so he got involved with like the high school team and he's like fine like you can go I did like a inning of relief pitching Mm -hmm. I pitched great I had a perfect inning which Mm -hmm. was like great except I couldn't feel my arm after like oh, it was like the pain was like radiating out of my fingers it was oh, tingling. I couldn't move it for like three days and I was like yeah that I can't do this anymore so I don't I mean granted that's still many it's like over a decade ago but I I don't think I don't think I want to try.
1: Yeah, it's good to have the feeling in both of your hands, for sure. And um, no uh, weird lark question from me would be worth probably numbing your arm once again. I think that's probably a good call. Um, And so this was after surgery, but it just wasn't like all the way back or.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it was my fault. I probably didn't do like physical therapy. I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. So I, was, I was a freshman in high school and I, then I like in between freshman and sophomore year we moved so I was like going to a different high school and that's a very formative time so it's just like a lot of other things going on yeah. and plus, so
1: plus you were busy like devising ways to like slide tackle opponents in soccer or like you know using the elbows on the court yeah. so you know you're a little a little distracted. I don't blame you. Okay, yeah, one last question uh, solely about you and then we'll get off you and you can breathe a big sigh of relief and we can just talk about the White Sox. But uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the the Twitter account, how that came about and uh, how that following has grown and and what your objective with this. Because I, of course, find it, as I've told you already too many times, so don't blush, but uh, just fun, perfect. Uh, it's exactly the type of account I want to read. So how did that come about? Just sort of just, hey, why not?
0: Yeah. So this is the, this is the sad moment that we, uh, we talked about before. So um, it actually started. So in May, like my dad was in hospice and at like the last couple of weeks, he no longer could talk. And, but we always watched the games. so I'd always put the games on for him. He'd open his eyes. Sometimes he would like be somewhat responsive, but he couldn't talk. And I was like, I don't like, I'm sitting here watching the games with him. Like, I want to be with him. I want to have him watch the games because he watched every single game religiously. And I was like, but I want to talk about it, you know, with like people who can respond to me. So I was like, my friends like I'm in law school like they probably don't even know who the White Sox are like they know the Cubs people ask me if the White Sox play at Wrigley Field so I'm like it, you know I was like okay there's probably like a like a community on Twitter about White Sox and so I was like okay I got on like I just picked a random name that I thought was funny I don't know if it was <laughs> someone called me an idiot shit poster one time and I was like, <laughs> First of all, I gotta look up what a shit poster is, but maybe that's what I am. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, that, hey, that's feedback. That's feedback that's gonna fuel you. That gives yeah. you like another week of running the Twitter account because it's like, oh yeah, really? Okay,
0: yeah, okay. But um, I I guess people find I'm funny, which was funny because when I told my mom I was like, oh, this like blog reached out to me. I think they think I'm funny. She's like, that's hilarious because you're not.
1: <laughs> like, wow. okay. I think I know maybe where you get it a little bit, last, Oh, very interesting. Feisty. Uh okay. Hi mom. Hi mom. Uh oh, that's good. More fuel. That gives you another week on the yeah. account. More fuel. Uh well, you are. And as I've told you, absolutely delightful and a real, real uh, talent. I'm especially excited. I you know, listen. I love everybody on this staff and everybody does have their strengths. Some some of those like stat nerds from dugout metrics. I love those guys because they do stuff. I can't even figure out. I still can't. I don't know why they let me host their podcast. Uh, and of course, we have remarkably uh, creative uh, people, um, super devoted to the devotion. That, I, that Everybody on staff seems to be more dedicated to the White Sox than me, which, uh, you know, listen, I'll honor. i you know, I'll call it as I see it, which is, I'm just the guy like trying to like pull a few levers. Um, everybody, everybody involved with the site who's not me is is what's keeping it going. They're the blood of this, and it's it's such a thrill to be able to invite new people in, particularly people who really strike me with uh, great talent and accidental or not, Celeste, Uh, you absolutely are that. So it is terrific, terrific to have you on. And boy, it sure sounds like we're wrapping this podcast up, but no, we are not. We are just reaching the midpoint. We're going to take a brief commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to just talk 2021 White Sox because that's what's going on, man. They're in first place. It's exciting. Uh, Celeste was just at the game last night. Um, She's into it. Uh, So we're going to talk about the team, where they're going, where they're at, uh, what they could be uh, in just a minute. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, guess what? We are back. It is Southside Sox podcast number 57. My delightful guest, another new staff member. So happy to have her with us. It's Celeste Rodonio and uh, Wonder Dog uh, Vinny, somewhere, somewhere about. Um, and with uh, her new super groovy Frank Thomas hat, sport it, it's a look, does not have the e socks um shirt but that'll be next time uh there will be a next time but we are transitioning now into the second half of the podcast where we are going to talk 2021 Chicago White Sox and uh let's start it out the same way as yesterday Celeste and I'll ask uh, at this point uh comfortably in first place barely past midseason. uh did you expect the White Sox to be where they're at uh how does it how does it feel where they are at? Uh, give me your status standing on the earth, rotating around the sun at this moment, vis-a-vis the White Sox.
0: Yeah, I mean, did I predict where they would be at? Like, yes and no. I definitely thought the Vinny.
1: <laughs> he really wants to, I think he's got the answer.
0: Yeah. Do you have something to say, Vinny? No, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think we... Maybe I don't know who we I'm speaking for, but like thought that the vision would be better, you know, like yeah. the twins just shit the bed completely. Um, but I mean, I I did expect us to be good. I am not happy with the like seemingly endless slump our offense is kind of mm-hmm. having. Um, but yeah, obviously happy with the comfortable lead. Um, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I know Tony has made some like questionable decisions a lot. Um, but for me, having like such the lead that we have, I'm more okay with him experimenting with, you know, those kinds of things, like putting Andrew Bond at second base. I know he wasn't thinking that's the permanent solution, but you know, why not? Like let's fuck around and find out if it is. We're you know, we're up nine whatever games. You know, we have some wiggle room. The rest of the division seems to have just given up. So whatever. I'm I'm happy with where we're at.
1: There is something to be said and I'm going to measure my words, there's something to be said about a guy who's been there. Um, if this was Ricky Renteria managing, uh, it's not to say he wouldn't be doing a better job. But the one thing you can say is he hasn't, he hasn't been here. Tony has been in this position. He's been in this position with the White Sox, much less uh, two other teams, uh, countless other seasons. And uh, you would have to consider that a strength. Now, whether that fuels, whether it was just random and he miswrote the lineup when he put Andrew Vaughn at second base or not, um, the fact that he's been there and the fact that even when it's questionable, just like you said, Celeste, is like, okay, well, maybe there's some thinking behind that. And this guy has managed a few more games than me, even though I do believe you are actually literally following in his footsteps. You're getting the law out of the way first, it's a smart move. It's probably good to put that in the bank and then pursue the the managerial career so I think that's the way you're thinking of doing it I don't want to speak for you but
0: yeah I I was upset when I found out that he actually sat for the bar so like I'm gonna have to do that too I can't just go straight into baseball mm-hmm. but uh yeah I guess that's that's the trajectory hopefully without
1: the DUIs uh yeah yeah hopefully uh uh, is, do you have any explanation for uh, you referred to the offense being in uh, sort of this a state of perpetual slump and, and, and no getting around that but there is reason for it and that's the fact that the White Sox have managed they've decided they're taking a, 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 a cutting edge look at injuries this season that is none of their pitchers are going to get hurt they're going to just have all their hitters get hurt because apparently in the White Sox organization you can ask a catcher or a first baseman Um, or a scout to just play one of the corner outfield positions and they're going to do. Okay. Um, So they're getting a little bit um, chippy about that, confident in that. Um, Do you have any theory that, that, uh, that might explain why unlike other teams, you know, the twins, every other team has had pretty much equal injuries, right? I mean, we're all human beings. Some guys hurt their arms. Some guys, you know, hurt their legs running to first base. Um, There's no reason why everyone who's hurt should be on the offense, but the white Sox have everyone hurt on the offensive side of things. Any theory there?
0: I mean, I don't know how the training staff works, like if the pitchers have a different training staff than the offense does. It could be a complete coincidence. Um it could be training is not, you know, up to par. I I definitely said that on Twitter and got completely railed for it. <laughs> um so
1: you shit poster.
0: Yeah, so hesitant to say that. Um I so as far as theories go, I don't know. That that would be something, in my opinion, um, I would look into it. At least somebody should maybe wonder why, especially with these like hamstring injuries, other soft injury injuries, why are they happening? Why are they happening when we're running to first base, which is like a routine thing? Um, well maybe not now when our offense isn't working, but maybe that's why the offense isn't working. We're saving the hamstrings until we need them.
1: Uh, This just came to me as we're talking about this, as I asked the question, Celeste, and this is the magic of the Southside Sox podcast, because we solve problems in real time. Um, Here's my theory. See what you think about it. Uh, Lance Lynn is a big hoss. Um, He, four days a week, isn't doing anything. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. Don't yell at me in the comments. I know he does things. He's tracking pitches. He's doing a side work. I can find, he's not doing anything four days a week. He gets to the training table first. And he's not eating it all for himself. He's bringing some for the rest of the guy. He's taking care of his posse. So in other words, the pitchers are hitting the training table harder, getting the best of the best. And like the PBJ and whatever the other stuff, the baloney, that's left for the hitters. That way, try that one out for size.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I don't, I mean, I'm not a, i am not aii could be a doctor on the internet, but I don't, I don't really know. You know, it's something like, Sometimes I wish I had more information about it so then I could pretend I know what I'm talking about a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I, that, that would make sense that, you know, they're not doing as much. But it could also just be complete wizardry. I don't know.
1: It could be. Um, I'm going to let you, um, not, not because of any, I'm going to let you take a pause. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk to the camera while you go to your Twitter um, bio and just insert doctor. Uh, I'll give you a minute to do that. Um, Okay. Let's see. Next question. What else should we talk about? Oh, trades. How uh, were your actions to the trades? The White Sox um, put us all in a very bizarre position as fans because it seems like it had been maybe, well, in some cases, literally entire lifetimes for some of us, maybe a little bit older. We can maybe remember a time when White Sox were buyers at a trade deadline, but it's been a while. And the White Sox were buyers. We knew they would be I guess the question was, would they spend money on it? Would they buy anything? Would they just, would they just be window shopping? Uh, but they did. Uh, they struck sort of hard. They struck the north side, uh, contributing to the demise of their rival uh, in, in, intra-city team. Uh, how'd you come away from the trade deadline? Uh, feeling good, feeling like they could have done more? Did you like what they grabbed? Or would you rather had maybe different guys, same position?
0: Um, I thought it was good. I don't hate the uh Cesar Hernandez trade. Um, I mean, he was a gold glover. Um, he can hit, you know, I think considering that Madrigal, we didn't know what was gonna happen with him, you know, he's prone to injuries. Like I think that was a good trade. Um, obviously landing Kimbrell was great. Um, I if I'm being honest, I didn't really know much about Tapera before. Uh, the trade deadline uh so I didn't have much to to say about that um but it was funny I was listening to the radio the other day um it was whatever shows on before Waddle and Sylvie on AM 1000 whatever um these Cubs people called back to back and one guy was saying you know the Cubs really got fleeced on the Kimbrel trade we should be getting someone like Vlad Jr. for Kimbrel, not someone like (laughs) Madrigal. (laughs) And the next guy that called said, you know, the Sox really got fleeced on that trade because Madrigal is going to be an all-star and Kimbrel's just having a year and he's going to get injured. And um, so it was kind of, you know, listening to all these people with all their opinions. And it's the same thing on Twitter too. Everybody's got different Mm -hmm. opinions. Everybody's like an armchair expert. And I'm just like, "Eh, it's, you know, whatever happens happens and no one can predict like yeah. how someone's going to uh, play once they get traded because people can slump at any time. It could just feel different. So I, I mean, I'm happy. Kimbrel's been great. Um, Hernandez is due for a home run. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good definition. Yeah. That's an interesting anecdote um, with a little snippet of uh, White Sox flagship uh, radio uh, back-to-back calls. Uh, where, yeah, uh, that's probably a good definition of a, a win-win trader, at least uh, on paper at this moment, because I think you can see arguments for both sides. I was surprised that Hoyer went for Nick Madrigal, not that his talent isn't um, substantial, but he's already in the majors, um, his, you know, his service time clock is going, they don't get full control the way they would with another player, and then there, there is the injury. Um, circumstance which I think would give pause I'm sure to give him give him pause because this is three out of four years where Nick Madrigal suffered pretty significant injury um, you know we'll call him injury prone per se but I mean you know this one to the degree where he's out for the season um, this is even a situation where like with Aloy and Luis now clearly going to be coming back just missing a big chunk of the season uh, that's going to give you a little pause when you're talking about okay this is going to be our second baseman of the future and I'm sure it gave you know, not that Ricon was fed up and he was just impatient that oh, I gotta get rid of this guy. He's so cute, but I'm forget it. I don't want him anymore. I don't want to look at him anymore. But I guess when the opportunity comes up to go for it, um, again, despite the fact that I'm sure he woke up that day, like what, wait, I'm used to, this is not the position I'm used to being in. Uh, it was pretty cool. That he pushed the button and said, all right, well, let's just, let's just get a little bit richer here. And, uh, and have two closers, even one who does an annoying, weird ass thing with his arm, which still, I'm, it's, I'm trying to wrap my head over the fact around the fact that he's on the white side because it annoys the hell out of me. But if he keeps throwing like a 0.5 ERA, yeah, I'll take the weird crow thing he does.
0: Yeah, the, that's exactly what it. came to me, like the word I would use to describe him Why it was a little bit off to me. And it's very avian what he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I really did. And I hate birds. They're like... <laughs> A pretty like fierce birds so like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit put off by Craig Kimberl because he's kind of bird like <laughs> but you know what he's a he's a great bird so
1: whatever <laughs> Uh, Tune in next podcast with uh, Celeste Redonio, uh, where we uh, further delve into all the different grudges that she has made uh, throughout her young life, and now including um, the entire avian species. I like this. We're learning a lot about you, Celeste, and this is why we do this. Um, The White Sox are in um, uh, the catbird seat, you might say. Uh, There's really almost no way they're going to lose this division, which is ridiculous. There's no way any of us would have thought that. As you pointed out, it's because of the division. It's not necessarily because the White Sox are on it's a 90 plus win pace. It's let's say it's about 95. Let's I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the division sucks. Cleveland, the, you know, I guess the most viable contender get, you know, waved sort of a, not a white flag, a little white handkerchief. Detroit is like the second best team in the division. what the hell is that about? Um, so yeah, everybody's taking the step back and the white sector like, well, I don't think I stepped forward, but okay. Yeah. I'll take the crown. Uh, you think that's a good thing or a bad thing with the team we're seeing even now in this, in this Kansas city series, where it's sort of like, say it's malaise but (laughs) they should not lose another game in the division this season based on the talent discrepancy uh and yet they seem to be struggling a little bit
0: yeah I do wonder if part of it is a little bit of complacency like you know we have this comfortable lead no one else seems to want to win like maybe they're saving it for the offseason I don't want to speculate and get in their heads but yeah, I, I do. I would hope I would want us to win more. I mean, you know, people on Twitter are always like, oh, you can't expect them to win every game, like, which is totally true. But I'm like, I could want the team that I root for to win every game. Like, I want that. Um, So yeah, I'm a little disappointed sometimes. But um, I don't know.
1: I'm guessing you don't. Um... Uh, shut your Twitter account down or vow uh, to never be a White Sox fan again when they lose though. I mean, it's not like we're not burning the house down. It's like, well, wait, of course, what's the point of watching these games unless we want them to win. And in most cases, given how good this team is, expect them to win. I mean, you know, right. You're not, you're not, you're not going next door and beating up your neighbor because you're angry about the White Sox game. You're like, Hey, wait, we're supposed to be able to criticize this, this idea that like even of all people like Tony La Russa is above criticism. Uh, with this team because like they're doing good it's like well you know okay I mean it seems odd I mean it's very tricky territory to tell other fans how to fan right and that's never a good thing to do but I don't like being told that either. And, you know, it's like, this is who I am. I think there's a lot of people like me. It sounds like we're similar enough that, you know, again, losing my mind, but I'm also not just like, hey, it's great. I can't wait to suffer again tomorrow. This is terrific. I love it when they do what they do. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of strange when you get that. But then, you know, we're we're living in an age of extreme. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I guess I mean, it's...
0: I definitely contribute to that, like catastrophic thinking. But to me, like sports fandom has always been like a catharsis thing to me. So like when I'm angry about something in real life, I feel like it's healthier just to, you know, complain about it in sports because I'm not hurting anybody besides people who take my Twitter opinions very seriously. <laughs>
1: but, um, well, that's just it. You're having fun. I mean, they're, they're like one liners. They're, I mean, I, I dare say, you know, Rye, Sardonic, uh, probably on point. Um, and again, it's not just like, Grunt me, grunt angry, grunt, kill. It's you know, I think it's cogent. Uh, I think I've done enough. I think I'm aware of, I mean, we're best friends now, Celeste. I think I know you well enough that you know this is sharp stuff. So it's like, wait, hold, take it easy. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, we see it on our uh, you know, we see it in our comments. We have some um sort of uh hilariously um doom sane um readers we have some very um expletive uh laden readers but then those same people are shouting the expletives uh in print of course um when they're doing well so you know um you know that is part of being a fan and you know again this whole idea of telling other fans how to fan is is tricky even though by definition maybe we do we all do a little bit of that Um, how do you see this team um come post season um, especially if what you suspect may be true, that they're sort of um, gliding toward that postseason. Um, how do you see them approaching it and executing it differently than last year or sort of like for about six innings when Lucas Gilito did not give up a hit in game one of the playoffs? It was like, wow, this is pretty good. This is pretty easy. And then it sort of all fell apart from there. Uh, how do you expect them th- that they'll be hitting the ground running differently in the postseason this year?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, for some of them, it's just, like, being back. Like, the season's more normal. I think the mind – it's going to be a lot about, like, the mindset. I think I think getting, you know, the bigger players back is going to be a big boon at the right time that kind of, like, puts them in a mindset to get more serious. Not that they weren't serious at all. Obviously, if you're in the the postseason, all you're very serious. But, like, it gives you kind of, like, that extra, like, fire under your ass to – to do better. And I think that, I think that that'll make a difference. You know, I, I think that, you know, getting Grandal back and getting Robert back at, at the right time is, is going to be really good for the off season. I'm
1: going to just continue to pepper you with questions and, and the fact that you're um, hitting the ground running with all of them. Well done. None of this is reversed. This is just a shoot podcast people. I think you know that by now because we're on 57. So I, I think you do. You should be aware of that. But uh, I'm going to ask Celeste, um, not necessarily your favorite player, because at least in the meet the players, it is admitted to be Jose Abreu. I want to know who, uh, what player on the White Sox this year has impressed you the most? It could be surprise or just maybe just most kick ass, but who's impressed you the most this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to have the same answer that a lot of people said, but no one expected um, Rodon to do as well as he's doing. Um, You know, granted, the past couple outings haven't been amazing, but overall he's really exceeded expectations and that's really been awesome um and then Andrew Vaughn like (laughs) I don't know where the hell that came from but it's been awesome (laughs) to watch him
1: I mean you're a professional athlete and you know I'm sure this guy's just eaten and slept and drank baseball like since he was three but uh, nothing. No matter what he could have possibly thought of going into the season, like he came into the season saying, "Hey, I think I have a good chance to make the major leagues. This is what Rick hans told me. He said he, he almost called me up at the end of last year, so I'm feeling pretty good about my chance to to actually make a major league debut. And whether they dick around with my service time and I got to do like a little audition for a few weeks before I come up, I think I'm going to be in the major leagues this year. And that suddenly turns into at the end of his good spring training. At the end of spring training, oh hey, um, Andrew, you think you can play left field? Um, here, take a couple games and go out there and play and see if you can do it. And, yeah, by the way, you're on the team and, and all that other stuff that's going to, like, be pressure and overwhelm you. And also, play left field.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just athletic. Like, he's an athlete. It's huh? um, you know, so, uh, so I was talking to somebody today, and they're like, well, he's going to be even better at first base. And I'm like, okay, great. but He's actually been really good in, re- in mm-hmm. left field. And it's been awesome to watch that development, and because you know it wasn't supposed to be that way.
1: it's amazing to think of a first baseman, even even you know a rookie, a young guy, to be that able. Um, I mean, again, left field isn't exactly the most challenging defensive position, but it sure as hell is uh, challenging when you haven't played it professionally before. You didn't play it in college. We're speculating; I think he played some outfield in high school, but that's a long way to go back under no glare pressure or lights um, to do this. And he's done, you know, I mean, the easy joke is that he's done it better than Eloy, although Eloy did come up and have a pretty good defensive game in his first game back, but I mean uh, too easy a joke, but also it doesn't mean it's not accurate. Um, okay. Celeste. Um, okay. Tough call here, but uh, we did just talk about Rodan uh, unbelievable bounce back season still in Cy Young running, even though apparently he is claiming a little bit of, a little bit of a dead arm um, at the moment. Um, the what are the odds of the White Sox bringing him back for the rotation next year? And if it's more than zero percent, I need you to explain yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's more than zero percent. I don't. I mean, if if, if Kopick's really ready to go, I don't like logistically see like I want him to come back because yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, so it has nothing to do with with that, but you know, practically and logistically, I don't know. I don't think he's gonna come back, which is sad.
1: Yeah, and and there are a lot of I'll say us because I was one of them who thought that probably Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon would not be back with the White Sox because they just wouldn't open the pocketbook. And they f- would feel like obviously Kopech, but then I don't know Crochet or Lambert or somebody else, or they they get a fifth starter on the cheap or whatever. Like we would expect them to maybe more normally do uh, the fact that they even locked up Lance Lynn with a with a, what seems to be a, a relatively generous relatively generous extension was a surprise enough. It's like, oh, this is not the White Sox I've become accustomed to. Maybe they really are going to behave differently um, in this window of contention.
0: Yeah um which is awesome to see I mean it'd be great if uh Carlos could come with us but I don't I don't know if it'll happen
1: uh is your choice to have a window of contention or just say hey you know what why does there have to be a window at all can I just knock out the window and just have the fresh air all the time and we can compete every year
0: yeah I mean I would love to be competitive every year I think usually that was not how I started the question to end. Usually it's like, do we have the World Series now or do we are we just contenders every year? Um, to which I would have said, why not both? <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um,
1: I think it's cute that the team is sort of like condescent to this idea, like, now that you've waited a decade, there's a window now and we're going to be, and, and to their credit, it appears that they are, well, aside from this past offseason, season, that they're actually behaving as if they're in a window. But then when you sit back and say, you think, well, wait, There are other teams that, you know, however however many World Series they make or win or whatever, they don't have windows. They're just, like, sort of there every year, and you think, wow, this is the Chicago White Sox. This isn't, like, um, this isn't some Louisville team or something. This isn't the Austin, Texas White Sox. This is the Chicago White Sox, and we're supposed to be like, yeah, this is the the decade. This is the window. And then, you know, like, once 2029 comes, it's like, okay, well, let's just crawl under a rock for another 10 years. I hope that's not how it plays out, and it's sort of funny when we talk about the window, it's like – doesn't really have to be that way does it um they sort of sold us that and we're like yeah well i'm glad we're in it and just hope it just opens and never shuts
0: yeah and who decides when it closes i don't know
1: we'll end on a philosophical question who does decide when the window of contention closes and we'll pick that up probably the next time whether celeste jumps in on more of uh, I don't know the the group general mothership podcast because this will wind down her sole spotlight. Meet the players uh, podcast number fifty seven with Southside Sox. Thank you so much, Celeste, for doing this with me here tonight, but also just for joining up with us. We've already got a piece published that I thought was. And uh, yeah, for those of you uh, listening, you don't know what I just did. it was the chef's it was a double chef's kiss. It wasn't a single chef's kiss. It was a double chef's kiss. Um, but you know really, you should watch sometimes you should watch, you know it's available on YouTube, you know it, it's it's just available. Um, but yeah, for, for hopping on, I believe Sunday might even be first um, actual game coverage. I think those details are still coming together, but uh, we're definitely going to have you hopefully as regularly as possible on the pages at least until the the bony, craven fingers of law school crawl out of the crypt and drag you away from us so, and, and force you just to live whatever that life is. I assume it's just very, like, dusty and cobwebby and stressful and filled with people who think the White Sox play at Wrigley Field.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much a cave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Can you believe it? I've never been. <laughs> Uh, but yes, please. Uh, as 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 much as you want to shovel out Celeste, as they say, I will happily take. And it's been great to have you uh, on site. Thanks for for doing this and giving us all a bit of a little intro. Uh, we know now not to guard you too closely. I will say that in the pickup games, I'm going to give you some space. Uh, I do not want to end up on my hiney. Uh, I don't want to break a hip. You know, I'm I'm believe it or not. Contrary to appearances, I am older than junior high age. I will break that hip. So I'm going to give you some space. You're going to have the open three because I'm going to give you some space. I've got the scouting report on you now, Celeste. And uh, on behalf of uh, Vinny, uh, um, uh, he's gone again now, but um, so thank you for making an appearance. Now. All right. Thank you for making uh, an appearance. And Celeste, of course, thank you for making an appearance. And uh, uh, hi, mom. She is funny. Uh, sorry at least that's my vote, you know, maybe there's some,
0: me after saying that I'm not funny, she said she was the funny one in the family, so, uh, Mm. that's that's her crown, I guess,
1: hey, listen, mom, sounds like a guest post to me, but whatever, you know, you're gonna talk tough like that, lay it down for real, Uh, but okay, on behalf of Celeste Redonio, I am Brett Valentini, hosting the Southside Sox podcast, thanks for joining us, thanks always for reading, for listening listen to our incessant run of podcasts. There's probably gonna be another one like in a couple hours, who knows? Uh, and maybe even sometimes occasionally watching. I know sometimes you do, uh, but thanks, Celeste. Thanks for hopping on and uh, let's look forward to a lot more work together and uh, maybe even hopping on a podcast in the near future.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me and Vinny as well.
1: <laughs> Vinny, come back next time too.